Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 263 of The Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday. Thank you very much for being here. It's either Sunday, the weekend is over, or Monday, we're on the commute back to work. Um, Everybody's still eating turkey sandwiches from Thanksgiving. Um, Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, the American listeners out there. Um... Yeah, guys. Um, yeah, I'm not going to talk for too long today. It's been uh, it's been a it's been a busy couple days here. Uh, some hectic stuff, some uh, family stuff going on, or uh, you know that I will uh, I won't get into now. I mean, it's not you know this is not nothing major or anything like that. But it's just you know it is um, some unexpected things have come up. So I really haven't had a lot of time to do too much. Um, or really be on social media or anything like that uh, the last few days. But uh, I did record this. I recorded this earlier, this episode. And uh, it is with a fellow fight fan uh, named Jordan, who lives out in Cape Breton. And uh, we had gone back and forth uh, for the last for the last little while. And uh, and he was a big uh, Quebec Junior League guy, uh, late 90s, early, or, you know, 2000s to about 2010-ish. And... Uh, you know, being out west here, um, I didn't really follow the league that much back. I mean, Cormier, Doyle, Marty Doyle, the Tidbulls, you know, uh, you know, Pierre Luke, uh, you know, I remember obviously the guy, I've seen some of the footage and stuff, but I'm really not up to date on my Q stuff like I am, you know, with the Western League, obviously. So, um, you know, and he was a big fan, like I said, out in Cape Breton, went all the games and, you know, and just followed the league. And that was his, you know, the Q was his junior league, like the dub was mine, right? So, um, it was, it was a real fun education thing for me to sit down and, and listen to some of his stories. And like I said, we just throw out names and talk about a few things and everything else and just, yeah, it's just two fight fans talking. And, uh, and I always, and I had fun with Jordan and I mean, it certainly, certainly will not be the last time I have him on. I know he's a big LNH guy too. So, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm really trying to set up an LNH type of round table type show that, uh, that I think would be pretty fun. So, uh, and I think he'll be a part of that. And, uh, yeah, and uh, but going forward, this won't be the last time you hear Jordan on the show, I'm sure. So, but I had a lot of fun talking. I want to thank him again for coming on. It was it was cool. So, I think you guys will really enjoy it. But uh, yeah, but before we get into that, uh, I just want to thank everybody who took the time out to listen to Wednesday's episode, my interview with uh, Pierre Luc LeBlanc. Uh, I know the re- the uh, the reviews I've gotten have been really positive. The feedback's all been really cool. I know you guys, a lot of guys really enjoyed that, so that was cool. Uh, Pierre Luke was a great guest, a lot of fun to talk to, and, uh, shared some good stories. And I, and again, I hope that's not the last time he's on the show either. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, it's kind of been Q week here, you know, with Pierre Luke. Then, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the juniors here right away. So, um, 
but yeah, I want to thank everybody that, uh, that, uh, tuned into that. If you haven't, I encourage you to, um, as well as, uh, you know, please check out the back catalog. Um, yeah, like I said, 262 other episodes to check out. So I think you'll, between the player interviews and the rants and the, and the fight fan interviews, I think you'll find something to listen to. <laughs> um, but, uh, I just want to throw a quick shout out to old Charlie who's out there listening. Uh, he's laid up right now with the bad back. So hopefully the, the your surgery goes well and uh, we'll get you back on the road to recovery and uh, you'll be doing cartwheels in no time. But uh, yeah, he was telling me he's kind of gone down the, the rabbit hole and been listening to a lot of uh, back episodes. I said, holy shit, you might get dumber before that surgery starts though. I mean, I don't know. That can't be healthy going back and listening to a whole bunch right in a row like that. But uh Get well, man. In all seriousness, uh, you know, hopefully the surgery, the surgery goes well for you and, uh, you know, you'll be back up and, uh, and swinging and in, in no time. So, but I really want to, uh, thank you for, for listening and I appreciate the support and, uh, yeah, get well, man. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, <clears throat> um, I don't know. I, well, I mean, uh, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network, so all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a there's actually probably a, there, I know there's a few teams that have multiple shows in the network. So check that out. And then of course for my off-network friends, of course I got Alec down there at the Five for Fighting Podcast down there in North Kakalaki. And uh, I mean I don't know. I recorded uh, I recorded something for a Kerry Toporowski special. I don't know. I don't know. I think my my, my segment might have got left on the cutting room floor, and I wouldn't blame him, but. Uh, I know he's releasing a Toporowski special here shortly. He interviewed a few of us, uh, a few of us idiots, and uh, he also had a, f- a couple of former players, I believe, come on the show and uh, and share some Topper stories, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, you know, with those, uh, I'm sure there'll be a few crazy tales to tell. So definitely check out uh, Alex's new, uh, episode. Uh, also, if you're on YouTube, Five for Fighting YouTube channel, he's re he's uh, started up a new one. <clears throat> it's kind of like 2.0. <clears throat> and uh, he has been uploading fan footage, and uh, it's been through some really great stuff in the East Coast League this year. And uh, again, I encourage you to check out the uh, check out his uh, channel, subscribe to it. We're trying to get the subscribers up for him again, and uh, it's a rebound, the comeback story. So, yeah, Five for Fighting YouTube channel. Well, you're on YouTube. Also, maybe bounce on over to the Fourth Line Boys. Hit subscribe on my channel. Check it out. Uh, I got over 2,500 fights on there. All the leagues, including the, including a few of the crazy Q episodes that we're going to talk about here. But, uh, yeah, check out that. Go down that rabbit hole. There'll be enough there to keep you busy. Charlie, check out the YouTube channel. That'll keep you busy. Um, also, another show on the comeback. Old uh, Joe Lazito from Give It a Lazito fame has, uh, has emerged with a new show. It is the... Uh, the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. And it is obviously, as you can tell by the title, it's a Quebec Nordique centered podcast. And I know he is pretty much in, done interviewing one player already. I won't throw the name out, but his, uh, he's got, Joe's got two episodes out already. Um, and it's just basically talking about the premise of the show and what's going on and blah, 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 that type of thing. Um, but he does have a player interview that last time I to- talked to him, it was just about done. So I'm sure that episode will be coming out here shortly. And, uh, again, it'll be all former Nordique players, all former, uh, it'll be all former Nordique players, no avalanche, just Nordique. Um, if you want to hear about it, actually, you can go back. I interviewed Joe and then we did a kind of a top five toughest Nordiques, 
uh, list. Uh, I don't know what episode it was. Just go back in the back catalog. It was about, it was about two months ago. I think I had him on. Uh, you'll see with Joe Lazito on there. So, um, yeah, check that out. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing, uh, Joe's new pro, or listening to Joe's new project. That'll be cool. I'm glad he's back in the game. So that'll be fun. Um, other than that, folks, uh, like I said, don't have too much to say. Um, been a busy weekend, been busy last few days, had some stuff go on. And, uh, like I said, uh, sorry, I'm not, haven't been on social media or been that engaging. I know a few folks have sent me messages and I, I have not returned. I will actually, as I'm done recording here, I will return those. Um, so again, my apologies on the delay. Um, other than that, I hope, uh, hope everybody's doing well. And, uh, yeah, how about we get into my conversation with Jordan here about the, uh, late nineties, early two thousands Quebec major junior league. And, uh, oh, and towards the end, you'll hear like, oh, hey, thanks for coming on, man. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Click. Um, we actually got back on the air because after we were done recording, he told me a Brad Marsh, a pretty funny Brad Marchant story. So I'm like, oh yeah, we got to add that. So at the end, hang on the end. There's a, I've clipped on, I've added the Brad Marchant story at the end that you'll want to hear. So, um, yeah, so don't, uh, as soon as we're saying our goodbyes, don't just immediately end the, uh, end the episode. There is a Brad Marchant story, um, coming. So yeah, check that out. Um, but yeah, again, I want to thank Jordan for coming on the show. He was a great guest. It won't be the last time he's on. So, um, but yeah, uh, follow me on social media, folks, fourth line voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. I'm always putting up pictures and videos and all that sort of general shenanigans. And, uh, yeah. And if you, uh, if you're not on social media, or get a hold of me, like Jordan did, you know, whatever. And I've asked a couple of guys to come on the show. Um, yeah, if you have, uh, if you want to come on or you have comments or questions or critique or whatever it may be, get a hold, send me a private message through social media. If you're not on social media, email me, hockeyfights, all one word, hockeyfights, at hotmail.com. Uh, yeah, send me an email, drop me a line, tell me what you think, and... And, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. And like I said, I appreciate the last, uh, last little while I've been getting some DMs and some, uh, some emails. And I want to thank those, thank everybody that's, uh, taking the time. I appreciate it. So, and, uh, my last, my one last request is whatever platform you may, you may be listening to this on, whether it be Apple or Spotify or Podbean or wherever you get your shows. Um, if you could rate and review my show, um, it helps me out in the searches you know, when you've listened to a show and then afterwards they'll say, oh, similar, similar shows. Um, that is all based apparently on, on, uh, reviews, I guess, I guess, or ratings. I don't, that's what they tell me anyway. But so at the very least, uh, five stars or one star for whatever it may be, whatever you think, <coughs> whatever you think the show deserves, if you could rate it, I'd appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, and like I always say for any podcast that you listen to and whatever, uh, genre it may be um i know speaking from a creator standpoint um feedback or reviews or rate rating and stuff is all we all it's it's all appreciated and uh because that's how we can track things that's what we know what to do or not to do and uh and who's listening and all that sort of thing so you know whatever show you happen to listen to believe me uh if you could review it uh, any feedback you could leave Blah, 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 as a, the creator will appreciate it, believe me. And, uh, and download, don't stream. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my safe, that's my, uh, PSA. Download, don't stream. 
in in all seriousness because uh, streaming they can't track it, but download they can. So that that helps as well. So there there I will stop being annoying with my with my stuff now. And uh, how about we get into this conversation with Jordan? Like I said, stay around till the end to hear that Brad Marchand story. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks once again for tuning in and uh, enjoy. And uh, we'll talk to you cats on Wednesday. Thanks everybody. All right, here on the fourth line voice, I got a special guest today. All the way out the Maritimes, out in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. I heard he punches a bunch of folks. Here we are, Jordan. How you doing, man? Not too bad, Dan. How are you? Very good. Hey, I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I've listened to the podcast all the time, man. Huge fan. So. I'm happy to be a part of it, man. Thanks again for having me. Well, like I said before, thank you for your clear lack of taste. So it, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I said, well, I told Jordan, I said, I'm getting excited here because he's going to bring my ratings up from nothing to next to nothing. So it, uh, <laughs> and today, folks, we're going to talk about something different. And it's definitely out of my comfort zone. So I'm actually, I'm going to be sitting under the learning tree today because it, uh, I know a few things about a few guys, but uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some, Quebec major junior hockey, some history there, and I'm sure we'll sprinkle a little LNAH into the scene too. But uh, uh, Jordan, you grew up in Cape Breton, and this is uh, this is your wheelhouse, correct? Yeah, this is it, man. Yeah, this is uh, this is the best hockey we could watch. And growing up, going to the Eagles game, man, I got a lot to watch. Uh, watch a lot of fights, a lot of tough dudes coming in out of the queue. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's the thing, and I mean. Um, uh, well, my my initial, of course, uh, uh, recollection of the queue, of course, I'm older than you are, and it's like, so I can remember, like, back when, like, LaRock and Brashear and Matthew Barnaby and Joel Terrio and guys like that were in the Quebec League, so we're, we're, yeah. we're going a little after that, we're going to go about 99 up to about 2010-ish, we'll be kind of, that's kind of your wheelhouse, correct? That's where, yeah, that's exactly it, man, it's like, um... That's my bread and butter right there. So I brought up the LaRock and Brashear and Sandy McCarthy and Gino Ojic, Patrick Cote. Those were all sort of the kingpins back then when I was sort of paying attention. Yeah. But for you, if somebody said kind of like uh, in, in your time period, who were the who were kind of a who were a couple of the kind of the big name guys in the queue? Oh uh, well, the big name guys, man. Well. I'll start it at the start. So, like, my first game ever watching the the queue, like, I actually, to, in my opinion, I hit a goal. My, my first fight I've ever got to watch was Trevor Enter versus Ryan Flint. That is, a, yeah. Um, you did get it lucky. Yes. Two big dudes, you know what I mean? Both 6'5", both just just really big guys, man. And I was, like, I was absolutely drawn to that. So, like, Trevor Enter probably going to go down as one of the toughest guys to ever walk out of the queue. Um by far, uh, especially never like Donna Cape Breton streaming Eagle jersey. Trevor Ettinger was second to none, man. That guy has fought some pretty tough dudes, but like that was my first ever fight I ever watched. But like, I'm gonna have to say like Jonathan Tremblay, man, for for Acadie Bathers was definitely one of the toughest dudes I've ever laid my eyes on. Um, for guys out, out there who don't know who he is, like his nickname was the Hammer, and like that guy there really, really put it on people in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, man. Like, when that guy would come to Cape Breton, he was like the boogeyman. It's the best way that I could explain it. Like, that guy was an absolute monster. 
for the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and was, I'd say, one of the heavyweight champs of his era for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Again. Yeah, and he, uh, had- yeah, and of course he was drafted by San Jose and, uh, you know, he kind of, he kind of bounced around a little bit in the East Coast League and, you know, spent, uh, you know, a season in the United League with Quad City and was in Wooster for a little bit and kind of finished up with the Providence Bruins, right? Played the, and, uh, kind of did yep. it, uh, you know, you know, I, I don't want to say he didn't do anything in the pro level. That's kind of, you know, I don't mean it in a harsh way. But, yeah, he just never, sort of never found that groove that he had in junior. But, yeah, I know, I remember even out here, yeah, I remember, because that was right sort of in the early fight message board internet days. And I can remember guys saying, like, yeah, you got to see this Jonathan, the Hammer Trombley guy. You got to see him. Because he was pretty much, like, I know in his final year there, Oh three, oh four, like you said, he was pretty much undefeated. I think. Yeah, he 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 was. Yeah, by far. Um, like he he ran the league. Like Jonathan Tremblay, he fought every single person that you could think of. Like him and Jimmy Bonneau used to have a ton of good fights. You can find them ones on YouTube as well. Yeah, there's another guy. If you want to talk to like a tough talk guy from coming out of like of the queue, would be would you be Jimmy Bonneau? Yeah, but. Like, Jonathan Tremblay was, like, that's where you really wanted to test yourself with him. But, like, man, like, he was just, he had that hard left hand. Like, he dropped so many people. Like, I got to watch him fight George Davis, um, another tough guy who played in the queue. Um, I'm sure people will get into him later on. But um, Jonathan Tremblay would probably be up there from, like, my air that really stuck out would be the toughest dude I've ever laid my eyes on coming out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Yeah. By fair. Um, like, he had some really good fights with, like, uh, Colby McIntyre, Halifax. I'm sure he's not a really well-known guy, but, like, Nathan Vino for the Eagles. He's another guy. Them guys had some wars, but, like, at the end of the man, most of them guys all fell down from that left hand. Yep. Yep. Well, and the other, and the other name I often heard was Kevin Cormier. Oh, Kevin Cormier. Um, I got a good Kevin Cormier story, actually. So, Kevin Cormier he plays for the Halifax Mooseheads. And when Kevin Cormier would come on the ice, man, like that guy, from when he, his second year, like, so that would have been his rookie year. I think he had like 23 or 24 fights. He was just destroying the league at this point, right? So, I forget what happened, but he got suspended for something. And, like, Alex Vachon for the Ramuski Oceanic, he he hit one of the players from behind. Was basically running roughshod because Kevin Cormier wasn't there, right? Yeah, and uh, he's like really like bullying the Mooseheads. But so that next time they played, it was up in Halifax, and I was up there for a hockey trip myself. So I decided to go to the game. So I get there and warm ups are going on, and I'm over by like the bench there, and I can see Kevin Cormier. He's like just taping the blade of his stick, and then he comes off the ice. When he comes back. He has Vashon written on the blade of his stick. <laughs> like he has, and he is just standing dead smack center ice, just watching Rabuski play, looking right dead at Alexander Vashon, man. Like he had it written on his blade, plain as day, Vashon. Like I've never seen that ever <laughs> in my life. Like, coming up and calling his shot right off for him, and he absolutely beat the brakes off Alexander Vashon, man, who actually, both those guys ended up having a little minute, a little stint there in the LNAH. Yep. 
Yeah. Both yeah. of them, right? Wow, then Corbier was funny because, um, <clears throat> well, another tough guy in the queue that came through the queue that everybody knows, of course, is Brett Gallant. And, um, yeah. you know, so I, and we follow each other on social media. So I sent, I sent Brett a private message today and I said I was going to have you on and we're going to be talking about the queue. And I kind of asked him, I'm like, you know, uh, like who was your toughest fight and who are the guys with the big reps and stuff? And, uh, he, he replied back right away. He goes, uh, I'll just read it, what he put here. Uh, so that's a pretty easy question for me, actually. Kevin Cormier, by far, was the toughest fight. He was left-handed, and they were so heavy. I was only young oh, coming man. into the... Yeah, he's like, I was only young coming into the league. I was like 17, and I thought I would try the champ. He hit me with a few punches that night. I got up and went to the box and everything, but that night in the hotel, I can remember spinning and having to go throw up. I think he hit me so hard, he knocked my equilibrium off. Being young, I just didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to come out of the lineup. But his reputation was like Bugard's in his prime. When he when you fought him, it was dangerous and guys were getting hurt. Yeah, and that's coming from Brett Gallant. Yeah, like so that. that's saying something when Gallant's saying that. There you, there you go, man. Brett Gallant's probably right now one of the toughest guys still in the skates. Like I watched, I watched Brett when he played for the St. John Sea Dogs, and even though he was only a young kid coming in, man, Brett Gallant was is by far one another guy who was tough as nails that came. But all them Gallant brothers are are made of stone, man. Like they can take a shot and give one, and they can put you down, man. Like my hats off to Brett for still doing it, man. Like he had one hell of a career, and it's still going on. But like I watched when he was only a young buck here in the queue, man, and that guy's one tough dude. Hands down, Breckland was one of the toughest guys. Another tough guy to come out of the queue. Yeah. Well, what is his older brother, Brad? Yeah, his brother, Brad. He played for the Cape Breton Streaming Eagles as well. So I heard of Brad before I got to see Brett. So I think Brad was in the league either a year before Brett or two years before. I think it was only a year. Might have been a year. So Brad played for the Cape Breton Streaming Eagles, and he was another guy. He wasn't as big as, as Brett was, like wide-wise. He was kind of thinner. But that guy had, like, balls of steel. It didn't matter who you were. He fought. He went right through the list, too, man, coming in through the queue. Like, Breck Lant, uh, uh, the business brothers. And then they got their brother, Alex. Yep. He's another another guy that's built different. Like, all them Gallant brothers, man, they're, they're tough guys. And like I said, they all came out of the queue. Uh, Brett, Brad played... For um, for the Eagles, and he got traded over to the PEI Rockets, and that's where Alex played. And I believe the only team that Brett played for was the Sea Dogs. Yeah, yeah, and then they and then he went back to the Maritime and uh, played in Summerside. Well, I think they all played in Summerside yeah. too. Yeah, because I think that's where they're yeah, from. Yeah, Summerside. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. They're all from there. Man, well, we yeah, were saying before we got going, right? Imagine there, there must have been. Yeah. Imagine some of the tilts over the last piece of pizza in that house. Oh my god! I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, those guys are made of leather at this point. Um, I, I guarantee you, they had some fun times going through that place. Yeah. Well. Well, just yeah. Well, that's the thing. Just to get away from the queue for a second, but just with you out in the Maritimes, there, man. There's been uh, some dudes come out of there. Well, I guess it would be before your time. The whole Cape Breton Oilers. Like with Gates and Bonvi and all those guys in Cape Breton, I guess that was kind of before your time. Uh, well, I was born. I was just really young. Yeah, I never got. I never got to actually go down and witness uh, a Cape Breton Oilers game, but I heard all the stories: Don Cordick and John Cordick and all them guys making their way through, and Dennis Bonvi doing it every night. And you know, it's it, it, it sucks, and I never got to go check one out. But like, I know a lot of people that did go see them, and I got a couple of, like. 
I got to hear what, what it was like to be there. So I would have loved to go see a Cape Breton Oilers game, but it well, is what I, it is, I guess. I know there's always been talk, and it's like, I can't remember what, it was Dennis's is his name Herb? Is that his brother's name? Herb Bonvey? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I believe it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think he played in the OHL for a little bit too, but I, I've heard of like some brawls in the Maritime Senior League that the Bonvies were in and shit. Like, um, oh, they've been fighting, they've fights off ice and everything down here. Yeah, like that, like that. The Bonvy brothers are not to be messed with either. Like, I mean, look, Dennis's career and his fight card and his everything speaks for itself. Like that man, there's like. You got a better chance of going outside and breaking through your uh, your driveway before breaking that man. Yeah, there. Well, I was gonna say. So you said there's a few stories, some off ice legendary stories of the Bonvies. Uh yeah. I, I, one that I've heard was there's a bar down here. I got dualies at the pool bar, and I guess the people were. Um, I, uh, one of the Oilers was in there, and I guess they were all giving them a hard time, and. Uh, they called Dennis Bombie to come down. I guess he went right through that whole bar. Uh, I, some stories I heard is that he beat about six guys one night <laughs> from from the, from the door right to the back, like to the exit door out the back. He went right through that place. See, folks, like there you go. See, where else are you going to get stories like this? But the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. See, there. This is why I have. This is why I have these people on. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Uh, Dennis was, uh, I guess Dennis was a handful back in his day, but like I said, he came at the front door and left out the back door, and there was a lot of people laying down when he made his way out the back door. <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah. I had, because that was the thing, right? We're in Cape Breton. I had to ask about the Oilers and Bonvi, and because he was such a legend, right? In Cape yeah. Breton. So, yeah. They, yeah, uh, he was good. Yeah, but, no, uh, my hat's off, man. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, where were we? Oh, Corbier. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, well, and another guy that um, that you could fill me in on, um, that I, I've seen a bit of his stuff. Um, I have a really cool picture with him and Cormier kind of talking off the draw. They end up fighting, but it was Marty Doyle. Oh, Marty Doyle, man. Yeah, Marty Doyle. Before Kevin Cormier came to the league, Marty Doyle. He does it like... You ask the right people, you'd give them the credit, but like if you ever get on there and just get lost in Marty Doyle's like fight cards from when he played in the queue, man, like that guy, he like he he has one hell of a fight there that you guys should check out. Uh, it's on YouTube with Marty Doyle fight, fighting Jonathan Trump. Like them guys had wars, man. Yep, absolute wars. Marty Doyle is was one of the toughest guys. Um, I believe he played CHL after after he left the queue, but nothing major. Like, he didn't continue a long career. But, like, for his hockey career in the QMJHL, like, is second to none, man. That guy has – he showed up every single night and did it, man. Like, he, he retired in the St. John, St. John's had a team. They brought in the Fog Devils for – I think they only lasted about a year. They they weren't there long, and they brought the first thing they got when they got in here was Marty Doyle. Yeah, that was the first person they traded for was Marty Doyle, and that guy lived up to the expectation. Man, like, like let me just see here of like who like he, like he he fought him and Cormier used to have battles too. Like him and Cormier, he would be the only guy at that time that would really give Cormier a run for his money. Would be Marty Doyle. Yeah. Like, there was a year there, like, 2000 and 
2003, 2004, I think that was the year. Um, that was the year of Kevin Cormier. And Doyle would be the only one that would actually show up and give him, give him a night to like wonder what's going to happen here. Because everybody else with Kevin Cormier wasn't even on the radar. Yeah, he was, um, yeah, like you said, I, I did actually go down the Marty Doyle rabbit hole. Um, there's actually pretty good, uh, it's, it's years old and the quality's a little, eh, you know, but somebody put together, yeah. I'm sure it was off internet TV at that point, but back in the day, but, uh, yeah, there's about a 10 or 15 minute kind of Doyle montage that's on YouTube that, uh, that's really good though. I mean, there, yeah, he was in some beauty tilts. Oh yeah, like that's what I was. I was literally just going to say that. So I got my hands on that when I was I was probably maybe twelve, man, twelve or thirteen years old, and I got it off the same thing. It was like on um, a message board, and somebody made a whole complete fight card of him. I'm trying to think of what year that would have been, and it was about thirteen minutes long, thirteen, yeah. fourteen minutes long, probably two thousand four, two thousand five, and. He did. He fought them all, man. Like literally, he he fought them all. Um, that's when you get you can get lost in that in that that video alone. Like he fought like David Staranky that went off into the LNAH. Like uh, another guy that's um, like I mentioned right now, he played for school to be Jesse Goodsell. Um, he don't get talked about a lot. He was another tough dude, man. That played for the Saguenay. Um, Matthew Saint Marie. He played in the LNAH. He's only a little short guy, but he could hold his own, man. But like, um, there's uh the Tidball, Brandon Tidball. He fought Brandon Tidball like every time they were on the ice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was telling you like yeah, because that was the year. Yeah, Tidball played with the Ramparts, and then of course the following year he came to Saskatoon here. He played for the Blades, um, and of course we all oh you got to see this crazy guy we're getting from Quebec, and I remember seeing the footage, and I'm like oh this guy, and like. What a pain in the ass. Like, he had a, like, Tidbull, like, Brandon Tidbull had a little Barnaby in him, for sure. Like, he always had the, the antics going and everything else. But tough guy. But, you know, he'd always put on a show before and after the fight and always yapping. And I was like, I love Tidbull. He was great. But what was your impression of Tidbull when you saw him? Um, well, are we talking Curtis or Brandon? Brandon. Brandon, um, Brandon was a big boy. Um, he was a lot. What I got was different. Was that Curtis was uh, Curtis was a little bit shorter and stockier, but Brandon was just he was just a big dude. But yeah, like Brandon was always like during warm ups when he'd come here, he'd be like shooting the puck into our end, and yeah, just moping off at the thing, you know what I mean? Or like squirting water bottles at the goalie who's stretching by the boards and shit, just doing stuff like that to get you going. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um But yeah, like that's what it is. He was he was an agitator, but like. He did his role. He came. He he he, he did what he had to do, and then, uh, that's like him and Marty Doyle. They have automatic. Like they have great traps too. You know, like in Quebec, man. They have a uh, they have a couple of good ones. But yeah, that was my in, like, input on Brandon Tidball. When I seen him, he was like an agitator. Um, but yeah, he was fun, like kind of like a Barry man. He did what he had to do to get in your head during the game, and he wasn't afraid to fight whoever the toughest guy on your team was. No, absolutely, and um, well, as we're recording this, we're recording Tuesday night, but um, tomorrow I am releasing an interview that I did with Pierre-Luc LeBlanc. Uh, what, oh what are your impressions of PL3? PL3 was one of the toughest dudes I've ever laid my eyes on, man. That guy there had one hell of a career. One hell of a career, like... 
he, he, like, how do I pull this? I watched Brandon LeBlanc, or not Brandon LeBlanc, I watched Pierre-Luc LeBlanc a good portion of my time that I was at the, at the Eagles game. Him and Bay Kamal would come to town, him and Ryan Hand. That's the two guys that were tag team in the league at that point. For like, some teams had, uh, like, oh, at that time, mostly everybody had one. Um, but Bay Kamal had two. And, like, um, I watched Brandon LeBlanc, and this was a game against one of the games I watched against Halifax while I was up there again. So a line brawl happened against Halifax and Bay Kamal. And Ryan Hand and Justin Solomite actually, they got in a fight. So the, what happened was there was a fight, and the, the guy who does the Zamboni, he opened up the door too early as people were getting, like, ejected off the ice. Like, the fights were still going on, right? Yeah. And I don't know why he thought it was a good idea to open up the door, but he did. And there was uh, Ryan Hand and him and Justin Solomite. They ended up going, like, into where the Zamboni comes up and fighting off the ice. Like, they were in the blockway right then and there, just going at one another. And after they finally got that all settled away, the coach for Bacon O put out Pierre-Luc LeBlanc. And right after that puck drop, man, he just dropped his gloves, skated right over to the Mooseheads bench, and just started unloading on Jimmy Fer- uh, Jimmy Sherrill that was there. And he was just hitting him in and hitting him. And then Alexander Picard from the bench was beating him on the leg. Like, broke a stick over LeBlanc's legs. <laughs> like, just... just just two-handed him the whole time, <laughs> just giving it to him. But, uh, yeah, so LeBlanc, man, when he would cut, like, that guy was a big, huge enforcer. Like, he fought a guy from the Eagles called Neil Smith, and Neil Smith was just mouthing off to him. So LeBlanc's on the bench at this point, and Smith is out there. Like, Smith was really bad for going over to the team's bench and, like, getting into it with the coaches. I don't know why. He was, like, the only player I've ever seen that he was more focused on the team's coach than the actual player itself. And he was going on, man, and he was mouthing off to the coach, and I don't know where you just see LeBlanc jump right off the bench, bro. And he just started feeding uh, Neil Smith like he didn't give a shit. Uh, At the same time that happened, Ryan Hand and uh, Robin Richards fought. And I was right behind the bench for the whole thing. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I I brought up the name Robin Richards to LeBlanc. We talked about him. And uh, what... Yeah, I mean, there's a guy. He kind of, uh, he's definitely an under the radar guy. And I mean, I know he was in the he was in the LNH for a little bit too. What are your memories of Robin Richards? Robin Richards was a tough man. Uh, Robin Richards. So we um, we actually lost one of our enforcers, man. And through the whole summer, they didn't know what they were going to do. And I forget who the Eagles traded for Robin Richards, but um, Robin Richards had all kinds of good fights. You know, he used to fight a. Uh, he fought, used to fight Sheldon Lentil for the Lewis the Maniacs all the time. You ever hear him? Yep. Well, I got Sheldon him on my Lentil. list. I was going to bring up his name to you, so we may as well talk about him yeah. now, too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Sheldon Lentil. Him and Robert Richards, man, they used to have dandies, dandies of, uh, like, really good solid sales. Robin Richards was a he was a good, good player, though. He could actually play, too, as well. Like, he wasn't actually, like, just out there. Like, he wasn't hurting you by any means. Like, I, if I would have just classified Robert Richards Someone like um, I had a Lucic type deal. Yep. Like he was like a big, huge dude, but like he in your, like he he pot you a couple. Like he was he was always in front of the net pushing and shoving and doing his thing, but did his job well, man. I was really glad to have him. But yeah, that Sheldon Wenzel, man, with Lewiston had an expansion team, and um, that's where I first laid my eyes on Sheldon Wenzel. 
and uh, that guy there, he was he has a he has a good fight with Ryan Hanna on YouTube. Him and Ryan Hanna used to go at it. Well, I'm, uh, before I get into that, I just want to tell you about when Ryan Hanna came, little Ryan Hanna story when he came to Cape Breton. So that Neil Smith guy I was telling you about, LeBlanc and um, Richards went at it. The next draw, Ryan Hand and Neil Smith went at it. So obviously they're wearing visors, right? Ryan Hand unloose it must have unloosened his screws of the visor, and while he was on one knee, Neil Smith was giving him uppercuts. Ryan pushed the visor down so it was covering his face, like he like you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like protecting the middle of his face, like it was like he could adjust the 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 visor. So it wasn't in his way. So he wasn't eating any punches the whole time. That's funny. I've never, I, I, I've actually never heard of that, but that's, that's pretty funny actually. No. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time I've never seen it happen, man. I've never seen that happen or ever happen again, but like, yeah, he, uh, Brian and that's what he did. So we could hear about people he adjusting equipment, doing different things and everything like that. That was the first time I ever seen somebody alter their visor. <laughs> Yeah, the um, well, another name that I wanted to bring up, and uh, and I and I talked well with LeBlond. I talked to I talked to this guy, or I mentioned this name to LeBlond as well. And we actually talked about him for a little while. But what were your thoughts on? uh, And I I was a big fan of this guy, um, Eric Nielsen. Eric Nielsen. You know what? Eric Nielsen was a fun player to watch, man. I I got to actually say that Eric Nielsen. I'd say, like, they, Ramuski had some tough guys. Like, they had, like, Sebastian Leferriere over the years and Alex Deshaun and stuff like that. But I would say Eric Nielsen is the toughest guy to ever put on a Ramuski Oceanic jersey, in my opinion, man. And, and like, I really didn't really understand with that. Eric Nielsen, another guy who came in, and he didn't say no to absolutely anybody. Eric Nielsen, um, yeah, him and Hand actually, actually have a, a few good scraps, man, over the years. But, um, if you see his fight card, Eric Nielsen fought every single person that you could ever lay your eyes on, man. Like, he, after the Q League, he even had a success, successful career in the AHL. But I would say for his time in the Q, he was probably one of the toughest guys in the league at that point. Like, in the 2000, uh, 2002, 2003 era, like, there was a lot more guys to choose from yeah. back then. Yeah. So, like, like as as like every every league was in the two thousand three two thousand four era, like they all had like guys. But like in my opinion, back then, like the Q was one of the toughest leagues you could be in. Like for example, like I got a little bit of his fight card right here. Like he fought Terry Duville, another tough dude, man. For those up there who aren't sure about Terry Duville, he went on to the LNAH and like he could hold his own too. Terry oh, Duville, yeah. a big strong dude, man, big guy. Uh, he fought Jimmy Bonneau, another guy. I was just a love. I was a huge fan of Jimmy Bonnell for the PEI Rockets. Yeah. Huge fan of Jimmy. Jimmy is another guy. Um, we can talk about him for hours too, man. Jimmy Bonnell, one of the toughest dudes to ever walk in the queue. Cody Doucette, another name. Cody Doucette, he again went on. Most of these guys went on and played in the LNAH, but like that's just a couple of the guys that you can name for for Eric Nielsen, man. Um, he fought Trombley, which I posted. Uh, I posted the video there on the Forcer Appreciation page on Facebook there. If you guys want to check that out, Nielsen versus Trombley. And that was probably one of the best Q fights you could see at that time. Yeah. They're just helmets off, 
buckets off, and them guys are throwing missiles, man. Missiles. It's interesting, as you were talking, um, well, obviously, being in the Quebec Junior League, a lot of these guys have gone on to, they might have went and played pro for a little bit or whatever, but they all seem to migrate back to the LNAH. And, uh, you know, and before, obviously, and before we got going, you also mentioned how big of an LNAH fan you are as well. I am, yeah. I'm not that big of a fan that during this podcast right now, I'm wearing Thomas Belmare's jersey when he played for the Blizzards. Another former QMJ Tell Tough guy. Yeah. And, like, that's the guy that's on Eric Nielsen's list as we speak is he fought Thomas Belmare, who right now is – Thomas Belmare's got to be up there in age at this point, and he is still out there doing the job, man. Like, Thomas Belmare, when he came, he played for Drummondville, and he fought Pascal Morenzi, and all I was thinking was he was a big, young, strong boy. This guy was a, like, he was a monster. Thomas Belmare, it was, is always, he, he, you can see him now, like, he's a big dude now still. But, um, him coming in, 17, 18 years old, all full of piss and vinegar, man, Thomas Belmare, he had one hell of a Quebec major junior hockey career. No, absolutely, and like you said, he's still rolling in the LNAH, and um, yeah, well, who, who did he just drop somebody the other night? I can't remember who it was now. Ah, it doesn't matter, but um, yeah, um, but yeah, but like you said, he's still still going, and uh, yeah, it's uh, the only thing that ah, going on a tangent about the LNAH. That's still that, but the only thing that bugs me about that league now is they have that stupid import rule. I hate that rule. Yeah, I know, man. Like, why? I know. I don't know, and I don't know why. They, like, there should be at least like a like a like a number there. Like, you don't have to go out and get every single person that's from here, or there, or the other thing. But at the same time, who cares if they're like that? league is known for what it's known for. You know what I mean? Like, who cares if they like that league a few years ago? Who I'm going to throw out right now? Who's another two Quebec major junior hockey league fighter? Is Eric Lizon. Yep, he went. He went there. It, like Lazan went there. Lazan, however you pronounce it, he went there. And the only reason why he could go there is because he played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Yep. like you have to have played some sort of way to get around that. But like, there are so many guys that like imagine that could go there. Well, and that's the thing. Like with that league, like it's so hard to get. I mean, back in oh four, oh five, oh six, oh seven. Yeah, okay. There were, I mean, they they were like growing on trees, right? There were guys everywhere. But I mean, now yeah. they're like unicorns, right? So it's like, why are you limiting limit, limiting it even more by saying they have to be from Quebec or have played in the Quebec League or grandfathered in? Yeah. If, if anybody's wondering, that's how Swanson's able to play because he was grandfathered in from playing before. But other than that, it's like, well, and that's the thing. I'm not, you know, I, I certainly I'm not knocking any of the guys in the league or whatever. But I mean. When you got forty-seven-year-olds coming back, and Sean McMorrow coming back, and Derek Parker, and I mean, these guys are all forty-some years old, and but you have to get them because no one's no one's left. Because I mean, all these guys leaving the queue nowadays. I mean, you can't fight in the queue anymore. Basically, I mean, what is it? Three? No, basically, now? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It's not like that. They're like basically pushing so hard to get a band completely. Well, yeah. So I mean, it's not like you're going to get anybody. Like, you're not going to get any enforcers from the queue anymore. So it's like, okay, no. so, so now what? 
Now you have to phone guys that used to play in the league or whatever because of your stupid import rule. And it's like if they actually got rid of the import rule or, like you said, limited, I don't know, maybe four or five guys or something. I mean, you might be Yeah, like every team is allowed to have that or something, man. there got to be something because the pool to pick from now is basically dried up. Like, could you imagine how many people are ringing Joel Terrio off the hook? Off the hook? You don't oh. think that guy's got calls over the last however many years? Oh, guarantee, yeah, for sure. You know, and it's just like, but it's like, yeah, if they put in that import rule, I mean, maybe you could go down to the East Coast League and make a phone call. And maybe, you know, talk Travis Howe or Kyle Neubauer or, or Nico Blatchman to come up to the Quebec League. Actually, I guess Blatchman could come to the Quebec League. Cause he so could Howe. Because he played in the queue. Yeah, I guess, yeah, well, there you go. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, those guys might be the future guys in the LNAH if you can get them enough money. But it's true. Man. But, like, at the same time, like, they got to, like, the LNAH has definitely come a long way. But, like, I, I think they should. They should literally open up the door at this point. Like they had it closed for so long, it's time to open it back up and make this what it could be even better. You know what I mean? Like it'll never be back in its heyday. Like you'll never have the 2000s anymore without that. No. You know what I mean? You'll never have Patrick Cote. You won't have yeah. them guys. But you know what? You might have a different version of that animal. Like Travis Howe going there, for example. That guy is a fucking weapon. Yeah, he is. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, imagine having him there fighting like Dave Hamill. Or like yeah. a Thomas Belmere versus Travis Howe. Yeah, Tra- Thomas Belmere might be up there in age, but Thomas Belmere, in my opinion, is running that league right now. I agree. Yeah. He, he's like, yeah, so like that guy, for, and, it's, and another guy, like I said, that's a guy who came out of the, out of the queue. Yeah. Like he had a successful career. Um, I believe he got drafted by Calgary Flames, I think. Yep. Wicked year. Yep. Hey, maybe uh, when uh, when when Brett Gallant finally retires from the AHL, maybe they can get him in the LNAH. No, well, maybe man, that'd be something. Fly him in for a couple games here and there. Oh, and for anybody wondering uh, out there, because somebody did ask, I saw on the message board the other day. They were like, "Where's Brett Gallant? I thought he signed and whatever. He did sign. Uh, he was getting surgery on his elbow, and uh, he is. He told me today it is." Uh, Fully operational, and he's ready to rock and roll, and he will be in the lineup this weekend. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, so, so Brett Gallant is back, folks, with for Cleveland. So, um, yeah, and I'm sure he's ready to uh, beat the doors off. So, <laughs> some young kid's going to want to try it. Yeah. So, I know. I guarantee you will see him and McElrath. Yes. Yeah. They usually link up there. Each other. Makarov had a really good fight the other night with someone. That was really good. Uh, he did, yeah. I watched that this morning. Yeah, he did have a, uh, it was a buddy from the Washington Capitals fire team, I think. Yeah. I don't know all these. Yeah, no, they did. I, I remember McElrath. I remember McElrath because he played in the Western League here in Moose Jaw. But yeah, he, uh, I can't remember who he fought though. But, but yeah. speaking of a guy that I know Gallant has had a, a bunch of run ins with, and I'm a massive fan. And I guess he did play in the NHL for a little bit, but the wrecker, Joel Reckless. Oh my God! Yeah, Joel Wrecker, man. Um, he, you know, yeah, he played in the queue. He um, he played for Shakutami, Shakutami Sagnage, and uh, Joel Wrecker, man. Like as you guys seen him, like like you guys probably like for example, like you, you probably never seen much of his Quebec Major Junior Hockey League days, right? Not a lot, but. No, that guy was exactly the same way 
when he came into the queue. I mean, he was wild. He was nuts. Like he was always pumped up. Like he's like he's. Uh, could you imagine watching him and Joel Terrio fight? Oh yeah, exactly. Could you imagine seeing Joel Reckless versus Joel Terrio, man? Like them guys were so intense when they fought. Like it was it was nuts. Like um, he was a honest player. Like I gotta say, like he wasn't out there doing any cheap shit or like he wasn't out there running people. But like if he thought for a second that you did anything to his team that shouldn't have been done. He was right there in your face to do it. He only played, I think about, I think he was only in the queue for maybe two years. He was, he wasn't in there long. Like I know he's from, he's from America. He's from the States. Like I don't think he's from Canada. No, he's from New York. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's another guy like him and Cormier have a couple of Dan, uh, a couple of dandies, man. Um, him and Kevin Cormier used to go at it. Like Joel Recker, when he came in, he made a name quick for himself. He's he's another guy who fought Breckelance. Like they, them guys had some wars. Um, he used to fight like uh, there's another guy from the Q man, not a really well known guy, but Kyle Hennigan. Uh, for those out there who want to know who he is, just YouTube that guy. Kyle Hennigan, weapon. He had one hell of a Q year too, man. That was around the same time that um, Joel Recker was there. But he was a dull, reckless man throughout his career. Just like he was in the queue, his fights were always entertaining and never boring to watch. Yeah, I know. I'm a big Wrecker fan. I'm trying to think who it was. Oh, I'm kidding. Yeah, there was like, there was like an eight minute video and I think it was called The Wrecker. And I don't know. It was about four or five years ago. And, uh, and it was, it was to music and shit. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was about 10 minutes. I'm trying to think who I, I think it was Steve Parsons. And I remember telling Parsons, I'm like, I sent him the link to the video. I'm like, you got to watch this Joel Reckless guy. And he's just like, who? And I'm like, ah, trust me, watch it. And he's like, oh, I've never really heard of him. I'm like, oh, you'll dig it. And he, he, he watched it and he's, he texts me back right away. He's like, he goes, that was like the greatest thing I've ever seen. He's like, who is this guy? This guy's tremendous. And it was just like, yeah. And I said, even if you didn't know him, like Parsons didn't or whatever, you just, the moment you watch that video, you're like, okay, I gotta watch more of this guy because this guy's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like when I think he first came in with the Albany River Rats, I think. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think he was with the River Rats, man. And he like same thing. Like when he came in, he just makes an impact, man. Like Joel Racker, like whatever he's doing now. Thank, thanks for the thanks for the moments, man. Because his fights are always entertaining. And like he said, he fought at the, everybody down the list, man. From Kevin Cormier, to, he fought both Galant brothers. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Tim Spencer. Yep, he's a guy who played in the AHL. Yeah, him. So him and Tim Spencer, man, they had a, they had they had a couple of good ones here in the queue as well. Um, Kirk Forrest, uh, another guy who played for Halifax. He was uh he was the number two, I would say, when Cormier was around. That was the next guy was Kirk Forrest, and him and him and Record had some solid tilts, man. And wow, well, it's you're, you must be reading my notes, Kirk. Oops, I dropped my pen. Kirk Forrest, there's a name I had written down. And for those wondering out there listening, they're like, Kirk Forrest, Kirk Forrest, where have I heard that? Well, he was in that famous video. It wasn't in the Quebec League. It was in the Maritime Junior League. And he ends up chasing yeah, the guy. And the guy dives into the bench. And Forrest follows yeah. him in there. And they end up having a big brawl in the Maritime League. That's uh, That, that was tremendous. But yeah, how was Kirk yeah, Forrest? They, how was, they, he, in the, how they, was they, he in the queue, though? How did he do in the queue? He held his own, man. Kirk Forrest would have been like, like I would say, like a middleweight. He would be. He was like, um, 
like he was like wasn't fighting like big guy like well he fought Joel Reckless so I can't really say he wasn't fighting big name guys but like his fights were never long yeah. they were always like you know just a couple it wasn't like he was putting on marathon fights like Gabby Rock and them guys man like it was just he he came in he did his job he didn't put, so I think he I don't even know if he made it to a full season with the Mooseheads but. He came in, man, and he he did what he tried to do. But at the time, like he was trying to live up to Kevin Cormier. You know what I mean? That's the number. That's the number one guy of the Mooseheads that everybody was going to watch at the rink. Man, was Kevin Cormier for the Mooseheads? Like that was their number two around this era. This is when teams started getting two guys on a team. So yeah. they had Cormier as their number one, and then Kirk Forrest was right then there with them, right? So, but like he fought um. Uh, are you familiar with Dillian, Dylan Garrios? From, he played for Valdor. No. He's only a small guy. Oh, uh, well, I'll hook you up with some of these guys that aren't really well-known. Dylan Garrios, he only had a short run in the queue himself, but Dylan Garrios played for Valdor four years, and he was uh, he was only small. I'd say Dylan Garrios was like a tight homie, man. He wasn't a big dude. He um, he might have been about 5'9". Five, five, Maybe, maybe five ten, and he he had one hell of a year. And everyone like he was putting down big guys, and then he ran into Kevin Cormier, and that's when they, uh, he had the reality check. Yeah. Well, you were saying like Cormier definitely humble people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you were saying you were in Cape Breton, <laughs> and you had been to Halifax, and you saw stuff there. Did you kind of go to any other any other uh, barns? No, no, all, I didn't, man. The only like Halifax is only like four hours away. For where I live, yeah. So it was. I was like, I, I go up there. Like that's like the city for us, right? So I used to go up there. And when I, anytime I always go up there, I always made sure I got a caught a Mooseheads game. Yeah, always. But you so, never made it out to when I was to see the Rockets or anything. No, I didn't. But I watched the people. Like I watched them all. Like during that time, there wasn't a team that came. Like that's when I was going to every single Eagles game before it became what it became now. But like. Back in like the early 2000s, man, I would say the Q was up there with any other league walking the walk of the planet at that time for toughness. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, um, yeah. Did they? Um, like, uh, did did Cape Breton play any games on TV? Like, did you have any local cable games? Yeah, so that started coming around in like two like around probably 2004. Yeah, I'd say around two, maybe even 2003, 2002. Not all the time. It was like you might get maybe four games a year, maybe. Yeah. Like you'd have to go to the like it wasn't really on TV, but the ones that were on TV, like one that's really most famous for being on TV is when George Davis jumped in the Acme Bathers detan bench. Yeah. Well, you were at that game, right? I was at that game. So where the bench is, I was directly across from the bench. So like when I'm looking straight, the bench is right there, and. uh the Eagles were, I think the score was like 11 to 2 or something like that. So, what happened was it started to get. So, the TKN, like the Bathers, they always had a tough team. Like, them guys were like the Broad Street Boys. They've all, they like, they thrived on toughness, right? That's the team Jonathan Trombley played for. So, when Trombley left, they got um, Jeremy Knight. Jeremy Knight played there. He's another guy who went to the LNAH, not a long run, but I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the name. Yep. Um, uh, they had Roberto uh, Roberto Bissonette, another guy. That's like he's not with us now, but that guy there, he was one of the most yappiest people. But he could fight, man. That guy was a tough guy. So they had him, 
and they had Jeremy Knight. So Jeremy Knight was on the bench, and Roberto Bissonette was on the ice. So before the play happened, Pascal Morenci, um, who went on and played for the New York Islanders farm team, another tough, tough guy who played for Cape Breton, that guy had the quickest hands I've ever laid my eyes on. He was beating guys, man, that were six six, like uh, Nathan Saunders, for example. I posted the video the other day of Marenzi. Marenzi takes him to center ice and just punches his head right off. Like, five good straight ones. Boom, 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 boom. So he beat up Patrick Gosselin that night. And after the fight was over, they put George Davis out. So George did a loop around the ice and came in at, when they dumped the puck in, and he ran at one of the defensemen, but the defensemen moved. And then you see all the Acme Bathers guys. So I'm not watching the play at this point. I've just got my eyes on George Davis, right? And George gets up, and you see all the Bathers, like, leaning over the bench, like, just chirping him. He gets up, and he makes it look like he's about to go for a line change, and he just fucking barrels into the bench. He just jumps right on the lap of Jeremy Knight. And in that video, you can see them all just, oh, they packed George's lunch and fed it to him in that bench, that's for sure. Like Roberto Bissonette comes in from the back. Like you'll see it in the video. Like he jumps on the back of George Davis, and every single one of them guys are just laying into him. And he actually became, got, in my opinion, got drafted to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks because of it. Yeah, only player, the only player at the time to ever leave into another team's bench. Well, at least George by himself. Like I mean, he didn't bring anybody with him. Like yeah, no, like nobody. All our, our next toughest guy, like our toughest guy was Pascal Morenci, and then it was George Davis that was there. And Pascal got kicked out after the fight with Patrick Oslin, and the rest was just, just like the normal players. Like they had a couple tough guys, but like our whole team wasn't tough at this point. And we had like our goal scorers on because it was a line change. So we had like Stuart McRae out there who was a hell of a hockey player. He was trying to get George. You could see him in the, in the video. He's just not even swinging. He's just trying to pry George out of the bench. Like the trainers were kicking him and everything. Yeah, well, that's when you're either crazy. But that's when you know the guy's tough, too, or fearless, because when he knows he doesn't really have any backup, but he still dives into the bench. Yeah, that tells you he's just, well, you can tell he's nuts at that point. Yeah. Well, and then at that point, it was probably the toughest toughest team in the in the queue at that point was Bathurst, because they were always fully loaded. Well, that's the other thing, right? And he jumped, yeah. and he jumped into the bench. Like, they were, he jumped into the bees' hive, and everybody was staying in him. Everybody yeah. was staying in him in that bench. I know on my YouTube channel, I have the the George Davis thing I have, is he goes for a Superman punch on somebody, but he misses him, but he goes flying for it. I can't remember who it was now, um, but he, he has all the, he skates at him super fast, he like dives at him and throws like this haymaker punch, but he misses, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> what, yeah, I'm like, and then of course, yeah, Davis, and I think he played a year in the, in the United League, and then uh, I think he played a little bit in the Quebec League. And that was about he it. He did, yeah. He only had a couple. He only had a couple, uh, couple, like a stint there. George Davis, yeah. He's actually from here. George is only lives only about fifteen minutes from where I live. Well, you got to get George on the horn here. We got to get George on the show. Tell us about diving into the bank. <laughs> yeah, what was going through his mind with that one for sure? I'll definitely see what I can do for you on that one. Man. <laughs> and now a message from our sponsors. Hockey fans like the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That wasn't enough excitement. You can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at even a bigger payout. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Well, one name yeah. that you've brought up here has been Pascal Morency. And of course, uh, with Cape Breton the one year in 0102, played 64 games, hey, 11 goals, but also 596 minutes of penalties. Yeah. Pascal Morency was, uh, well, he, obviously with a guy like him and like he was just a character, right? That's was he that's what Pascal Morency was. He was a character. Every single time he fight, he would get the crowd into it, man. If you watch after his fights, he's always pumping up the crowd and stuff. He was really well loved in Cape Breton. Like when he got traded, everybody here took it real hard. Um, they didn't want Pascal to go at all. He my father only went to the hockey games to watch Pascal Morency. I don't think he's been in center two hundred since. Like that was it for him, right? A lot of people this like he was a character, but he wasn't big, but he was he could he could throw them, right? He could really throw them, and he wasn't scared of absolutely anybody. And he had one hell of a season that year. You named them, he fought them. Yeah, like he didn't back down from anybody. He was he he did exactly what he came to do, man. And he drew a lot of people into the stand, like that year. Like he was there, like Pascal Morenci. He played on. So there was one year that we had. Pascal Morenci, we had Ryan Flynn, we had Hunter Lahash, and we had George Davis all on the same team at the same time. Yeah, see, like that's the team fight DVD we need to get there because that would be that'd be about oh, yeah. three discs long. That's that that uh, that. Would, well, you mentioned his name, well, Ryan Flynn. Of course, people listening, of yeah. course, NHL guy and all that. What was he like when he was there? Ryan Flynn was a beauty. Ryan Flynn played, uh, like, he was throughout the league. He had a, he came in the league with the Acadie Bathurst, he can, and then got shipped to Halifax. And, uh, Ryan Flynn, well, the man's 6'5 yeah. for starters, right? And that was my first fight I'd ever seen was him fighting Trevor Ettinger, and I just couldn't get over the size of these two boys, right? Big thing. And then when he came to Cape Breton, man, it was like, uh, Ryan Flynn, was one of the toughest guys at that time in the queue. He was just a big, mean, strong dude, but one of the nicest people you'd ever meet off the ice, which most of these guys are. You know what I mean? Yep. Most of the tough guys that are, are they're, they're probably the nicest people you'd ever come across. Um, I got pictures in my basement when I was a kid with Ryan Flynn. He's an absolute monster. But um, there's, a vi- there's a video out there, which you'll probably have on your YouTube channel, is um, when you got it's Nick Reno and George LaRock's brother. At, at center two hundred with the warm up with Hunter Lahash. Yep. So what happened is the story behind that is is Hunter Lahash is was always at the time the last guy off the ice, and it, it was just the thing. It was like um one of them things they do with it, like it's a, a superstitious thing, I guess. Like he has to be the last guy off the ice. And for those up there who don't know who Hunter Lahash is, YouTube that guy. Hunter Lahash is not like on my list for top five tough guys in the queue. Hunter Lahash is honest. Well, He's like the third. Hunter Lahash is the Quebec Junior League all-time penalty minute leader. Yeah, he's Hunter Lahash. Well, yeah, that Mark Andre Waugh. Well, Waugh has the single season record. Lahash has the career record. Yeah, oh, yeah. we're talking all-time, all-time. Yeah, yeah. Hunter Lahash. Hunter Lahash. So, yeah, Hunter Lahash played. I think he came in the league as a 15-year-old. 
I think because I think that's as young as you can play is fifteen until you're twenty. Yep. Or he came in at really really young at sixteen, and this guy was just running through people. He was in Quebec for the Ramparts first. So Hunter Lahash is back to the story before we get on to him. He was um, when he came to Cape Breton, another guy, just a big mean dude. Um, he wouldn't come out, so he was telling them like get off the ice. And Nick Greeno was the same way that he wasn't he wasn't leaving the ice like at all. And I don't think he had a clue who Hunter Lahash was, or he didn't care, or he thought Hunter wasn't going to do anything because it was in the warm up. So you can see these guys bickering back and forth, and out of nowhere, Hunter Lahash just drives them, and these guys start fighting, and then. Uh, George LaRock's brother jumps on the back. Like He's not throwing any punches in the fight. Like Greeno and Hunter are kind of wrestling and stuff. And there you see LaRock's brother trying to pick it out. And if you watch the background, you just see this monster of a man walking up the ramp. And it's none other than Ryan Flynn, right? And he's standing there, man. And you can tell he's just salivating. But these guys keep holding him back. And then I don't know where, I don't know who it was, whether it's the coach or somebody, they go over and they grab that arm, and then Brian Flynn comes out, and he just clocks, buddy. He just clocks green. He's hitting anything that's red at the time. He's just smacking them, man. Uh, this is all before the game even starts. This is just a warm-up. Yeah. Like, Brian Flynn is just hitting Hunter Lahash now, are beating the piss out of two mooseheads. And as that fight's going on and it's starting to get broken up, another moosehead decides to come out on the ice. If you watch the video, like he's just coming on to kind of see what's going on. And then here comes George Davis. Him and George Davis, they got no top gear on at all. They're just pants in their, their lower bottom gear, and then they're, they just start going at it, man. Like that was – I was at that game too. Were you there to see the warm-up? Yeah, I was there to see the warm-up, yeah. So when I got there, it was maybe like seven minutes left of the warm-up, and nothing was even going on. Like, there wasn't like any – but, like, it's the Battle of Nova Scotia. So anytime Cape Breton plays the Halifax, it's always used to be something would go on. But nothing has ever topped that Battle of Nova Scotia when Hunter Lash, Ryan Flynn, and George Davis fought those three moves at the at there. But, like, it was all – you know, man, he would get off that ice, and you could see it in the video. Hunter Lash gives him more than enough options to get off that ice. Yeah, and then he just goes over to the bench and puts his helmet and gloves on the bench, goes over and says a couple words, and then he just leans back about four area codes and lets one go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Flynn, that's a big dude, man. Yeah, I think he's a firefighter in San Antonio now. I think. But uh, yeah, he's like his first first NHL fight. He knocked out Matt Johnson. Yeah. Or Brad Brown. Yeah, yeah, he's like six five. Yeah, he's a monster. Yep. Yeah, but, he's, yeah, he's actually. Yep, yep. I got a picture of it. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, he had that really good battle with Parker too in the NHL. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he, he was a bad dude, man. Um, he was. He was a vicious, vicious man. I like. Um, Another thing, a little more story about Ryan Flynn. Um, we were playing Acadie Bathers in the playoffs, and a brawl broke out, and Flynn was on the ice, and he was just smacking these like the Acadie Bathers guys, man. They were like skating to try to get away from him, and then this one guy glommed onto him, man, and tried to go toe to toe with Flynn, and Flynn dropped him. But when Flynn dropped him, he didn't fall straight back like in the laydown position. He fell like if you were going to like sit in the seat type deal like he just sat down like with his legs flat out 
and Flynn like went down with him and had his jersey, and Flynn was just raining down right hands to this guy when he was on the ground, just plumping him on the on the ground. He got suspended for like eight games for it. Well, that it's interesting you talk about the suspensions. Like, I mean, you obviously going to all the games and stuff. I mean, you saw a lot of different like crazy shit. Yep. What was the suspensions like back then? Pretty non-existent. I'm pretty sure George Davis only got about eight games for jumping in the bench. Yeah. Like if he, if he did that now, he'd be banned from the fucking queue. Like he wouldn't even be allowed to probably go into the rink and watch a hockey game at that point. Like they would, they would, they would suspend him for like life for that. But like, you no, know, like the suspensions, like, like it, it would have to be pretty bad. Like when Ryan Flint beat that guy sitting on the ground, like that guy was was he was out cold. Like he was he was gone. Like that guy wasn't there, but. He was like he was just laying there, and Ryan Flynn just kind of lost it. Yeah, and he just fed Buddy on the ground and all that. Like I'm sure, like if you were to ask him, he probably would regret that moment. Like I was right there, man. I was only a kid when I seen that, but like that guy was just not a kick in him, and Flynn was just cranking him, just cracking him, and like they were all they were all connected. None of them were missing, but like yeah, he only got a handful of games for that. Like the suspensions back then wasn't that big of a deal like you could have a line brawl and the next game everybody would be playing yeah like, yeah like that, there would like be that's the thing like i think of the western league and like i we saw i saw some crazy stuff here in the western league you know in the early to mid 90s and i don't remember like i mean guys would get suspended but it'd be like two or three games and they'd be back or one game or whatever and and like you said now i mean if they did half of that shit now like you said, they'd be getting three to five in the state pen now. But, I mean, back then, it just didn't seem like it was a big deal. It's just funny how the mindset no. was. Yeah, well, the hockey was a lot different back then. Like, these stories that we're talking about and the names of guys we're listening off, like, these guys will never be ever duplicated again. No. Like, you'll never, you'll never have another, um, like, like Barty Doyle come through the queue or go through any sort of hockey organization, period. You know what I mean? No, oh, yeah, like the, yeah, like those, is, those days are over. Yeah, which is sad because, like, the like for right now, like the queue for the Eagles, like the Eagles don't draw as big as numbers as they used to. And like I've heard it on this podcast, and I've heard it on others that like red ice sells. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and it does, man. It's, it's it's people out there don't want to agree with it, or they don't like it, or not. But like, it's watering down a game that was known for this shit. Like, this is what it is. Like, you can't, like, like, that's what it is. And if you don't like it, watch tennis. But like, you're like, you have guys that like, like hockey changed probably a lot of people's lives, man. And like, I know that, especially for hockey fighters, like these guys got to get their energy out some way. And whether you like it or not, these two guys are agreeing to do what they're about to do. What fucking difference does it make to you? Yeah. Like what? What difference does it make to you? These guys are doing a job. They do it and they love it. They, they're good at what they do. Like I, my best memories growing up as a kid was going to the Eagles games and watching these men go at it, man. And I'll never forget it. Like it's, I love it. I absolutely love the Q when I like from from when I was a kid, and then it really took a downhill spiral after that. Yeah, well, it's the same. Yeah, it was the same thing with the Western League out here. And I mean, obviously, you know, it's a little easier out here because they don't have. 
the fight limits like the Q and the OHL do, but it's still not the same. Like yeah. they still don't, they'll fight more obviously in the Western league, but it's nothing like it was. And I mean, like you said, I guess with some people, I mean, you can argue if that's good or bad, that it's not what it used to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, whatever, but it, uh, I don't know. Well, like we were saying before with the LNH, I mean, with the import rules, I mean, even the LNH, although there's been a little bit of an up, uptick this year in fights, but yeah, you know, but I mean, nothing like how it was in the mid two thousands or anything, but no, but, uh, no. but like I said to the one guy, I'm like, well, you know, I said, I can remember watching the videos back in 04, 05, 06, and there isn't an empty seat in that, in those rinks. And I said, hell, they were playing out of the Colisee in Quebec City. Yeah. They had 10,000 people at those Radio X games. And I said, I don't know. Yeah. I said, I watch these Laval games now and the fight clips now. And I mean, fuck, I think everybody comes dressed as a chair. I mean, oh, yeah, it's empty, you know, and it's like, what? So don't tell me. It's better now, or people like it more now. It's like no, exactly. You know, and it's like, exactly. and, and I and I, well, that's the thing with the LNAH. I don't know what their obsession is to get, like air quotes, legitimate. Like it's like you're never yeah, going to be. I, I, like I don't know either, and like they're like like for example like. Like Sorrell, like they're playing in a like an ECHL rink, like teams now. They can't even get their fucking logo on the ice. Yeah, like that's, that's as far as they're going to go. And yeah, like a couple of people got picked out of there. Like Danik Paquette played a couple of games last year for the ECHL, but he was also drafted too, man. So like whether he played in the LNAH or not, like he, that was they can't say oh because he's playing here. He went up there. Like he's played high level hockey before he came there. So, but like. Stick to what works, man. Like that, if what's not broke, don't fix it. Like that league is known for its toughness. Keep it tough. Well, like you said, and especially in that area, like every, yeah, like, they like love every, it. yeah. So, <clears throat> oh, pardon me, but like, yeah. If I'm in Quebec, and I mean, and you want to, I mean, you have the NHLs there, juniors there, the East Coast leagues there now with I think Trois Rivières. I mean, so. I'm going to go to the LNH for what? There, none of them are as good as those leagues. So it's like, what, no, what, exactly. do something to stand out. And I'm not knocking the guys in the LNH. There's some very good players in the LNH and everything else. I'm not saying there isn't, but no one's going to the LNH game to see the next Sidney Crosby. Like, come on, what are we no, doing? No, exactly. Like, what are we doing here? And some of these guys that are going to the LNH now are only going there to finish their school, and then they're going to leave. Yeah, you like know. they're only there just for a, for a brief minute. And I get it; they're doing that to do other stuff. But that league, what drew me to that league was what drew everybody like yourself to that league. That it was yeah. the wild west, and you didn't have a clue what the fuck was going to happen, and you didn't care because you were entertained from the moment the game came on. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it was it was crazy. It had all the fights, and then after that was done, they got playing. And that's the other thing. Like, I think the stuff, especially back in the mid-2000s when the money was flying around, I mean, everybody sees the crazy stuff with Terrio and Patrick Cote and McMorrow and Morassi and all them. Yeah, it was crazy. But when they, the fight was done and they had to play with that little black thing that was out there, there was really good, too. Like, they had really good players in the league, you know? And, they did. You know, and I think people forget that part. But, uh, 
you know, and obviously with the amount of money that was getting thrown around, that money isn't around anymore either. I mean, the guys certainly aren't making the same amount of money as they used to. But, I mean, no. you, if they got rid of that import rule, I think you could still bring back some pretty solid guys. And, yep. you know, and I don't know. It just, that's what I said with the hockey. I remember I, I said that one time. I'm like, if if everybody's selling hamburgers, why are you going to open up a hamburger stand? You're not going to be yep. better than McDonald's. So why don't you open up a chicken stand? Like, be different. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like. I every, know. If everybody wants, yeah, well, if everybody wants to go watch hot, like whatever, I, I don't mean it this way, but if everybody wants to go watch legitimate hockey, they're going to go to the Montreal Canadiens game or they'll go to the Quebec junior league game, or they'll go down the street to the East coast league game. If they want to see crazy and drink cheap beer and see the beer girls walking around with the tubs of Molson export, they're going to go to the LNH game on Friday. And they want to see LaBelle and Sorrell brawl. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Let's just call it how it is. That's exactly what you're going there for. Yeah, like and they, you're they, in Quebec City. You got the Montreal Canadiens there. You got an East Coast Hockey League team there. But you know what? You're not going to see. You're not going to see uh, somebody jumping out of the penalty box, or you're not going to see uh, a brawl happen before the game even starts. Yeah, like you're not going to see that. Yeah. Else. But, and and then here's your there. opportunity to do it, right? And it's just, but I don't know what their deal is. They're, it's like they run away from it now, and it's just like, I don't know, like just, uh, like yeah, yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the Chiefs documentary from '03. I mean, I get that, but um, yeah, but <laughs> although I will say this year, I'll, I'll get they're trying, or some of the teams are trying yeah. anyway. Like I'll give Laval credit. They're spending some yeah, money and bringing, everything. yeah, they're bringing some old guys in. I mean, I don't, you know, whatever. They're trying anyway. I mean, I wish the other teams would. I know exactly. Like, like Saint George's, like they got Dave Hamill, like they got yep. him, but like, they like he gets suspended a bit. <laughs> like the guy's constantly suspended most times, like because he's always like doing something. But like, like now Laval's got. They got Augustine. They got J.F. LaFrance. They got Sean McMorrow going there now. Then you got, like, Moncom, who's got, like, Martin Trump. And Swanee's there whenever he's going to get into the lineup. Like, they're bringing back names to try to to try to try do something. And, like, I, I can't wait to see what they do. But they need, a, they need to get a better pool. They can't just keep hoping these guys come back. No, and like you said, right? Like these guys are on like the shady side of thirty, sometimes the sunny side of forty. You know, it's like how many fights do you think these guys got in them? You know, and it's like I know, like look, they brought back Sebastian Laferriere this year, so another guy who came out of the queue. Yeah, Sebastian Laferriere is there. He's playing in both leagues. He's playing in that one below the LNAH as well. Yeah, that's right. He is. Yeah, and uh, he's playing both leagues. Like it looks like he's having. Like he hasn't been in the lineup for. For um, Tedford for a little bit, so I don't know. Maybe likes it better. I don't know, but like they're bringing back him, and like Laferriere hasn't played before, maybe four years. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been it's been a minute. Yeah, so like you're gonna see. I'm just waiting for the day they say they side Brad Lambert. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. well, I mean, the other guy who signed, but he hasn't shown up this year, and everybody's been kind of asking, and he was in the queue before, was Gabby Rock. 
Gabby, yeah, Gabby Rock is exactly everything he you think he is, man. That guy can take a fucking punch. Yep. Gab, Gabby Rock can definitely take a punch, man. And what you see is what you get with Gabby Rock. He was always open, man. He was always an open fighter. Like, he wasn't one of those guys that would ever want to tie up and twist and turn and lollygag and all that shit. He, he was exactly the same in the queue that he was when he went to the LNAH. Yeah. Gabby Rock is, he's like Morassi. He'll never change the way he fights. Morassi is go at it, take it right on and see what happens and just swing until someone goes down. Gabby Rock is the exact same way. He fought Sebastian Leferriere when he was there. He fought that Dylan Garrios when he was there. He fought Cormier. He fought them all, man. That guy has a resume all the way through his whole career. Him and Eric Lizon had a couple good ones. Like, Gabby Rock is exactly what Gabby Rock was from the start. Like, this was nothing new. When I see Gabby Rock was going to the LNAH, and everyone's like, oh, we're going to check him out. What's, what's that Rock kid like? I knew what he was going to be like because I've seen him already for three years. Yeah. The same thing, like, these guys that, like, all these names that went to the, went, just speaking this name right now, people who went there, like, when people seen Ryan Hand for the first time. I've watched Ryan Hand from when he was a kid, right till he went to the NHL and AH. Like, I've seen him go. Yeah. I've no, seen I, those, yeah, I've like, seen I was, I was, that for years. yeah, like, I was a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Gabby Rock. I dig him, man. I hope he, like, I know he's, oh. I don't, I can't remember who he signed with. He signed with somebody this summer. I know that. Was it Laval? Okay. No, Sorrell. Oh, Sorrell. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because he played there last year, too. Yeah. He only played a handful of games, so it's like him and like Dave, Dave LaCroix or whatever. He was supposed to retire, as far as I'm concerned, and then it showed that he signed with Sorrell again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's but, the thing, right? And they just, I don't know, if you, you know, you throw money at them, I guess they'll come. Exactly. Exactly. That's all it is at the end of the day. It's all money, man. But like, that's why, like, when I like seen the upcoming guys that were going there, I knew I already, I already got a jump on some of these because I've watched the queue so much. Like David Starenke, like he's another guy who branched off from the Quebec major went over there. Like Starenke's a tough cat too. Like watch him and Marty Doyle. Like I go circle back to Marty Doyle. I've seen a lot of Marty Doyle stuff. That guy has fucking fought everybody. And is he just fizzled out, man? But like Starenke, he went on to the LNAH and he had a pretty good run at it too. He was another guy like Francis Watt, the A too. He's another guy that like he started to play more and stuff as he went over there. But he was a fighter in the queue. Well, speaking of the LNAH, and he played for he played for years in the LNAH, ten years, and you know did it for forever in uh, in, in Three Rivers and then Tetford. Um, and you saw him a bit in the queue. Was well, you mentioned him a little bit? Was Duplain. Samuel Duplain, yeah, like some people aren't, um, like I would say, would be like, oh, I used to love Samuel Duplain fights. He did his job. Like you never seen him going toe to toe to toe all the time with people. He got in, he shot it. He was a he was a fast puncher. Yeah. But Samuel Duplain has fought every single person you could fight thirty times over. Yeah. Like just go look at his fight card. It's every single person that you could fight that would fight Samuel Duplain fought him more than one time. Like, he did his job. Jamie, like, when he was in the queue, like, he's another guy. He came flying over at our bench one time. Uh, there was a line brawl happened. Marc-Andre Fleury was fight, got in a fight that game. Um, 
Well, Flurry played for the Eagles, and uh, same as Uplane, just made a beeline. He didn't jump in it, but like he jumped off his feet and swung into the bench, and he was met by George Davis. It was standing right there, and he started cracking Duplain. They never actually, I never seen them square off and fight, but I've seen Duplain, Duplain fight quite quite a bit. And then when he went over to the Quebec League in the early two thousands, like look at it, he, he had forty something fights or something his first year there. Yeah. Like another guy, like oh, that's what I'm saying. Like Mario Jolly, another guy that people like whatever. Like I've seen him play for the Quebec Ramparts. He's another tough dude. Yep. Yeah, well, like, it's nice for me to be in the queue because I've seen all these guys that like that have done it that are doing it. Yeah, well, another name I'm going to hit you with, um, and, and he's in the LNH. He's an American, briefly in the LNH, and I think he was in the, I think he played a little bit in the queue. Was old? Uh, do you remember old uh, Steel Neil Pasilico? Yeah, I do. Um, Neil Pasolica, is that his name? A police, Neil, a, a, oh, you got me, ah, I'm tongue-tied now. Uh, <laughs> Neil Pasilico. Sorry, my son, I got there. Neil Pasilico, I think that's how you pronounce the name. Pasilico, Neil Pasilico is how it's pronounced. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I see him. Yeah, I call it Pasolico or whatever was his name, but yeah. Yeah, I remember Neil. Yeah, he did have a brief run over in the LNAH. He actually fought more, I think, there than he was doing in the Q. Yeah. But he, he did fight in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but that guy got more famous, I thought, to me personally, than when he went over to the LNAH. He played for Trot Riviere, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he was, uh, don't get me wrong, the guy was nuts. You know what I mean? like, he was he was he was crazy, but like, yeah, he's another name that flew through the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Um, I think he played for the Quebec Ramparts. Yeah, I, I believe he played for the Quebec Ramparts. I, I can't remember. Yeah, no, I think it is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was him. But yeah, no, he's a character man. But yeah, for most fight wise, like yeah, he did have a few fights in the league. But he was a guy who really progressed more when he went over to the LNAH more than same thing with another name. Believe it or not, that I'm going to throw at you with this is would be Hubert Pullen. Yep. He is another guy who came from the queue and fought way more on the LNAH than he did in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey. Yeah, I'm just looking at Basilico. He played for Victoriaville. That's it, the Victoriaville Tigers, yeah. In 201-02. Yeah, he played. He only played 21 games there. Well, he must, mm-hmm. Oh, and then well, he had 22 games in the playoffs. They Obviously, they must have had a hell of a team that year. Yeah, yeah they did. They won, the, yeah. they won the championship that year, yeah. Yeah, and like that year that he played in the 2000, 2000, or 2000 you say 2001, 2002? Yeah, so like when Robert Snowball was there? Yes, yeah, no, oh yeah, Snowball. I got to watch Snowball. He was on the Victoriaville Tigers. Yeah. Or Tigers, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, Robert Snowball. He's another tough guy, man. Yeah. Robert Snowball, him and Marenzi used to fight all the time. Um, uh. Yeah, Robert Snowball, man, really tough dude that doesn't get that much credit for coming out of the queue, but that guy was a tough bastard, man. Big boy. Real big boy. Yeah, I used to love Robert Snowball, man. Uh, Hugo LaHue played in that league at that time, too. Yeah, I was. Just, you're reading my notes. That was the next name I was going to throw at you. Yeah. 
Yeah, he loved, he was a he was a guy that took on everybody and everything that came in his way, man. I think that he had like thirty or something fights or twenty eight fights or something that year. In two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. I think it's like twenty eight, twenty nine fights. But uh yeah, he's another tough dude, man. He loves you, very entertaining. Another guy that took on whoever, man. That's guy um him and Twister had a couple good ones. You remember uh well another guy that played he played in the Quebec League forever and ever. Um Bullduke, Tommy Bullduke. Tommy Bullduke, yeah. I think both Bullduke brothers played in the queue. Yep. He's another guy who played for the Quebec Rampart. He was on the same team as Shane Leduc playing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Balduk, yeah, he's another one, man. Same thing that you've seen in, uh, in the L- Another guy, he, don't get me wrong, he fought a lot in the queue. He fought more when he got to the LNAH, but Tommy Balduk is another, like, he was underrated, I think, in, that, in his arrow for the queue, but he fought, he fought whoever, whatever he had to do it to, man. Tommy Balduk, I love Tommy Balduk, to be honest with you. I, I love when he went over to the LNAH. I love them guys. Like some, so they're not like people's favorite first picks, but he's another guy looking at his resume and see what he did. Tommy Ball Duke was there for a long time, too. Yeah, he was. Well, then his brother Kevin, I mean, he played in Ramuski for a little bit, but then went right to the Quebec League in 0203 with the Quebec yeah. Aces and then, uh, you know, and then played right until, well, off and on until 2019, you know. That's yeah. How, you know, yeah. that's how long he played around for, so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's he's been there, man. He's been there. Um, who else could I throw? Um, well, Valtan Pelly been a leader for one season, Marc Andre Waugh. Well, yeah, that was good. Okay, yeah. So this is, um, well, we were kind of talking about him off air, and I was, we were, I was kind of saying what a polarizing figure he was. But of course, for those out there, Marc Andre Waugh, it's the, um, well, it's the junior hockey, or the major junior hockey record. Um, in 0203, he played 68 games, and he had 653 minutes in penalties. Um, what are your memories of Marc Andre Waugh? Marc Andre Waugh, he's another guy that really started what the entire intimidate right off rip. Like what do you like? All these people would be doing stretches. Marc Andre Waugh would step on the ice right by the next like our bench and just stare. He'd have his chin strapped, unbuckled, no shirt on, no chest protector, nothing. Sleeves rolled right up, so I seen was all shoulder pads. And if you skate by, he used to poke you with a stick and just both off to the team, man. That dude was literally just a guy who was out there to intimidate people. Like, that's legit. It. Like, he fought everybody. Like, that year was 2002, 2003, he had the 652, right? Yeah. Yeah, he had, like, 40-something fights that year, man. Yeah. Like, that, that guy literally, like, would, would, would he be the toughest guy I've ever seen? Maybe not. No. But you can't knock a guy from getting 652 penalty minutes, but... The guy used to fight twice a game, and then you get a 10-minute misconduct. So he was averaging like 20 penalty minutes a game. Maybe even 22 if he got the instigator penalty. Yeah. But he was a guy that came to the queue and was known to be nuts. And then when he left the queue, he kind of fizzled out too. Like he had a hell of a queue fight card. Like he fought Thomas Belmare, um, Jimmy Bonneau. He fought... Jeremy Knight, Marenzi, Dominic Dumore, um, who else did he, did he go with? Uh, Scott Gibson, Nathan Vino, another, like, he had, he had the fight card, like, 
whether people like that guy and you have your opinion on him or not, when he was in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, that guy, he was like Ogie Oglethorpe. Like, yep. that's basically who I could compare Marc-Andre Watu is he was the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League version of Ogie Oglethorpe. He didn't go out there to pass the puck, shoot the puck. He didn't even touch the puck. All he was out there for was to drop his gloves, and that's exactly what he did, man. And he has a record now that nobody will touch for the rest of the eternity in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. People can play four years and wouldn't even add up to be that much. Oh, Yeah. No, and that's the thing, and, it, and well, it's funny, yeah, he's 653, and he got, he had 432 the year before that, you know, in, in, in Baco, so it's like, you know, 1,000 minutes in, in, you know, 110 games, so, um, yeah, he, uh, he was, he put it, he put it in, he put his time in, for sure. He did, he did put his time in, but like, when he came to, like, like I watched him, like, there's a guy on the Eagles, Nathan Vino. Nathan Vino is a guy that don't get talked about a lot coming out of the queue, but he has one hell of a fight that's on YouTube against Scott Gibson that I sent to you, Darren. Yep. And they have one hell of a brawl. He actually, he gave it to Marc-Andre Watt pretty good. Yeah. During that 41, during that 652 penalty minute that he was shooting for, he definitely, I've, I've seen it, he... Had his match met when he like some people get lucky one night, but Nathan Vino put it on Mark Andre Law that night. But if you look at his fight record, he fought Jimmy Bonneau maybe six times that year. Jimmy Bonneau, another guy who came out of the queue and went on to do the AHL, he fought everybody and everything too. Yep. He played a long time. Another guy who could have got a shot at the NHL, man, he, he fought he fought Morassi, Trevor Gillies, Joel Reckless. He fought them all. Yeah, he did. Yep, he did. Yep. Um, well, we've kind of we've kind of talked about it, and I know you've listened to this show before, and um, you know, and I know Tim's listening out there, list guy Tim. Uh, we, you know, what episode wouldn't be complete without a list? Um, and I kind of was when we were kind of setting this up, when I was talking to you the other day, I kind of said, well, maybe do a, like a top five list of like the toughest guys you've seen, and uh, yeah. you know, I'm sure we've obviously mentioned a bunch of their names already, but. Uh, What's uh what's Jordan's uh top five list? What does it look like? My top five list. My number five. We did talk about him, and we talked about him quite a lot. And I got to give him credit because he did it. The number five would be definitely Marty Doyle. There you go. Marty Doyle for sure would be coming in at number four. That guy was. That guy did it all, man. Yeah. Again, I love that guy. He he put on one hell of a show, and it sucks he didn't have a longer career. But he 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 really put it on it on anybody who wanted to try him in his Quebec Major Junior Hockey League days. That's for sure. Um, my number four uh, is Hunter Lash. The Quebec's Quebec Lash. Junior League's all-time penalty minute leader. Yeah, and yeah, uh, Hunter Lash. What 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 are we looking at here? How many seasons? One. Two, three, four. Four seasons in the Quebec Junior League. He had thirteen hundred and eighty minutes for the. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was busy. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah he was. A, he was busy man. He could handle himself. There's only a, It's very. It sucks, man. That there's only very limited footage of these guys, especially around that time uh, when Hunter Lahash was really going at it in the queue. But yeah, he's coming in at number four. Um. 
My number three, I got to give it to Ryan Flynn, man. Really? There you go. I got to give it to yeah, I got to give it to Ryan Flynn. Like, I have some people like would want to take like Mark Andre Walker as a penalty minute stuff, but like, no, like I'm talking like I like Flynn was a guy who was six five and could knock you out in any shot, and he did buckle a lot of people, man. So yeah, Ryan Flynn's coming in at number three for sure. You're not just that. You're not kind of pulling the Cape Breton fanboy thing on me, are you? Though is that? Are you no, doing- no, I don't. That's how it was going to come off, too. And I was like, oh, I know. But, like, these are the guys I grew up seeing because I'm from Cape Breton, man, who I got to see do it all the time, just not when they came to town. Because there's people listening right now that are going to be like, oh, tell this dude to put his pom-poms down here. Come on. <laughs> hey, I can't help it. We had a tough team, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, well, we were saying before we got going, I was saying the same thing when you were talking about Cape Breton. I said – we're spoiled, man. I was spoiled too being here in Saskatoon. And you look at the alumni that's played for the Blades, it's like, yeah, we got spoiled with some tough hockey. You know? Thank yeah, over, over I the can't years. help it. Yeah. No. Yeah, I just can't, I, I can't help it, man. Like, um, like you, you say Kevin Cormier, but at the same time, Ryan Flynn in his heyday when he was in his prime with Cormier, I don't think Cormier could have, he would have gave him a good shot, but Ryan Flynn or, or Hunter Lash, they were two tough men, man. That was a different era of hockey. Those guys were, they were tough and they did play for Cape Breton, where I'm from, but like I said, I got to see these guys anytime I went to the rink and just not when the, like, like I can only see who the other guys when they came to town. I got to watch these guys fight multiple people. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, Ryan Flynn's coming in number three. Um, my number two though, my number two is not from Cape Breton, okay. so we don't have to worry about that. So we'll take some pressure off there. Um, is Jonathan Trombley? Oh, see, so you got him at two. See now, I'm wondering. Okay, we got the hammer. Who uh, I've heard, I've had a bunch of guests on that have pumped the hammer up. I've had other people talk talk about Trombley, and uh, of course, his run through the Quebec League was legendary. Um. You, you, you got me thinking. Number one, what do we got? Trevor Ettinger. There, there you go. There you go. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I can't knock you for that. I like Trevor Ettinger. How can you not, man? You know what I mean? Like, the guy was, the guy, Trevor Ettinger was Trevor Ettinger, man. He was the one and only. Uh, like, yeah, he was played for Cape Breton, but at the same time, he was the first person I've ever seen fight as, in that rink. And he was the guy that, if you find out anything about his career, every single person that's ever crossed paths with Trevor Ettinger will tell you he was one tough bastard. So Trevor Ettinger is definitely my number one. There you go. Yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously it's a sad story with him. And uh, uh, yeah, it is. but yeah, he had a great, great run in the in the uh, in the Quebec League, and then Aaron Junior there, and um, you know, and then he had a you know strong run in Syracuse the one year and. And then with the Dayton Bombers, um, anybody out there, uh, on my YouTube channel, I have some of his fights, um, with like Jay Banich and like Segroy and stuff like that from the East Coast League. I'd like to, I'd like to get into some more, I'd like to get some more junior fights of him. But all the fights, um, that I've seen of Trevor Ettinger, he's looked solid in all of them. Like really big does, guy, yeah. like he had to be, what is he? He had to be six four, six five. Yeah, he was six five. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah, he was. Um, it would have been interesting to see, um, you know, if everything had been, you know, and he didn't have the issues and and all that, and uh, and it kept playing. It would have been interesting to see where his career path would have went. Exactly, it would have been. It's sad that what happened to him, but from the memories that he gave me, I get and what he gave everybody else. Like you can't knock the guy. The man was uh, is definitely a what could have been for sure. Yeah, and you were saying they, that Kate Breton still gets his mom to come out and drop the puck every year? Yeah, she's usually the one that comes, man. She was there at the last, last year's one uh, that I was just at. She comes out and she opens up the first home game for the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, man. She, she's she got a retro Cape Breton Screaming Eagles that into Jersey on every time. That's awesome, yeah. Yep, yeah. But that's my top, that's my top five. Like I said, they can go on for days of who's tough guys. Maybe that will leave that for another time or something, but there's that's that's my personally top five. Well, like you said, uh, well, like I can't argue with it. Like, I mean, you were there, you saw it. Um, all I have is some DVDs and, uh, and some YouTube clips. So, and that's certainly not the same. And like you said, when you're, when you're there and you just, you, you know, you, you take it in, right. You're there for the atmosphere and you see the, you see these guys uh, doing it live. It's a, a completely different feel than, you know, watching it on YouTube 15 years later. So, exactly. yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, but, um, no, well, this certainly will not be the last time that, uh, that I have you on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we'll definitely, uh, we'll get you on when we're doing like the, uh, an L and H round table, which I plan on doing. So, because I know you're, sure. you're obviously a big fan of that. Hey, did you ever get down to Quebec to see any games, LNH games? I went. I was down to watch a Montreal Canadiens game, man. I couldn't get. I wanted to go watch the the Chiefs, or not the Chiefs, the uh, the Predators play, but I could. They were. I couldn't get down there. That was the closest thing I got. Is I always wanted to go down and watch an LNH game, and I was closest to Laval, but they weren't playing in Laval that night that I was there. I was only there for two days, and they weren't there. Yeah, I, 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 it's always been one of my regrets that I had an opportunity back in '05 to to go to Laval because I knew people with the team, and it was just like uh, at the time, just financially, just couldn't do it. I'd laid off at the time and whatever, and, and to fly to Montreal yeah. so bloody expensive. It's like, ah, I couldn't justify it. And of course, back then, you know, foolishly, you you always think this shit's gonna last forever, right? Oh, the Quebec League will always be crazy, and there'll always be fights, and it'll be awesome. And li- little did you know that you know that it all would fade away. You know, exactly. so exactly. Yeah, I was kind of. That's always my big regret is not getting down to Laval, especially right then in like '05 and '06 and '07, sort of like the peak of the league, right, where the most money was being spent and every team was loaded, and oh, it would have been great. But I know it would have been something, man. But well, like we were saying in text this this afternoon, right? When we were texting, it's like we were both sort of lamenting and bitching about the fact that how bad hockey is nowadays. But I said, well, one thing for sure, at least we got to see the good stuff. We did, yeah. I get they can't take that from us, no matter how much they try to erase everything. They can never take that from us. Exactly, we were there and, and, and saw it. So, but uh, Jordan, I, 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 yeah, well, it's good stuff, man. And I really want to thank you for coming on tonight and uh, and being excited about it. It was cool. Like, you got a hold of me and said you wanted to come on. And, I mean, you certainly made my life easier. And I, I certainly got to 
to hear you talk about the names and, and, uh, you know, the, the passion that you have for it was cool. And that's what I always say about the show that I really like. That's, uh, you know, interviewing the players is cool and everything else, but I always seem to, I, I say, I always seem to connect with the, with fellow fight fans. And it's cool to talk to the different people, um, from all the different areas of, the, of not only Canada, but down in the States and well, hell over in the UK with Searson and those guys. So, um, you know, when you talk to fight fans from all the different areas uh, and get to hear their experiences growing up and like with yours in Cape Breton there, it's been a lot of fun. So I really want to thank you for coming on and sharing. That was cool, man. Oh, no, Darren, I really appreciate it, man. I'd love to come back on whenever, whenever you would like to have me, I'll be there. I really appreciate you letting me come on and just tell you about, um, my my experiences with the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and I'm glad that you said I can come on again because I definitely left a few people out that I'd like to talk about. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll definitely get you back on for sure, and uh, yeah, man, would, uh, like you said, right when we were talking, I mean, we could, uh, you know, we're like we're the old lady, like a couple old ladies in the knitting circle. I mean, we could do this all night if we yeah. wanted to. Oh, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, I can't believe it's been as long as it's been because it's, that just flew by. And I just want to say, really, thanks, man. I appreciate you and having a platform like this for for people to come on and talk about it, man. It's it's, it's uh, I really, really appreciate everything you're doing, man. So thank you for having me, and I look forward to coming back on again. And thank you so much. It'll definitely happen, man. Thank you. Okay, folks, we're back here. We're just about to hang up. The show was almost over, and Jordan shares this little little nugget of a story. About Brad Marchant, you got. Do you want to? Can you share this? Do you want to share this again? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, one night at the game or whatever. So Brad Marchant's on. I think he's on Halifax, I believe, man. And everybody's got their opinions on Brad Marchant that he's a weasel and he's a rat and all that stuff. But this is an honest to god, true story. So, at, at the center two hundred, where you got to come off. Um, you come off of the Zamboni. The players just come off of the Zamboni. You just come off. But I'm pretty sure this is the reason why they don't now. So now the players come onto the ice through their benches. So Brad Marchand's out there, and he's doing his thing, and he's, he's having a warm-up and all that. So when he comes off the ice, there's kids there, and there's, they're giving high fives. The, the other team's giving them high fives and stuff. And there's this kid there. He has to be about four years old. And he's got his hand out to get Brad Marchand. And Marchand literally takes the snow off his blade and throws it right in this kid's face. Just, just smack the kid point blank with the snow, right in the face, man. And all you see is that guy's dad jump over the railing. He grabs Brad Marshawn, pulls him over by the concrete, and he just starts kneeing him right in the face. Like, if anyone's got a Brad Marshawn story, top that one because so, that's that that that's a real thing. <laughs> so tremendous. So yeah, he so he face washes this four year old kid with the snow. And then the kid's old man jumps the thing and starts giving him the friggin' knee lifts. I love it. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he did, man. And, that, yeah, that's what happened when Brad Marchand came to town against, uh, against the Eagles. He, he, he took his snow and he smacked a four-year-old kid in the face with it. Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, oh, I had to... That, that story, for some reason, hitting a four-year-old in the face with snow cracked me up. So, you know... <laughs> And of course, it's Brad Marchand yeah, too. That that makes it even funnier. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's the a thing. But like that stuff that I leave out, man. And like I'm always that person. Like probably like yourself after the show's over, you're like why the fuck didn't I add that or why didn't I say this? Oh, that happens all the time. Yeah, but yeah. Well, there you go, folks. There's a Brad Marchand story for you to to, to end things off.
and you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 